We're here at Camp New Horizons, where an autumn retreat called an experiment in sharing is about to begin. Ironically, Camp New Horizons was formerly known as Camp Rolling Hills, where last year 19 people were brutally slain by alleged psychopath Angela Baker. Baker, also known as the Angel of Death, was allegedly responsible for another string of grisly murders seven years ago at nearby Camp Arawak, which has since closed. You told me you wouldn't say a word about the murders. It's okay, dear. This is a bunch of lunatics. You wouldn't know where I can uh, score some coke. Uh, I just I just need a gram. It, it's already been a real shit of a day, you know what I mean? Hurry up, girls. We have a lot to do. Come back! Come back! Oh no! You're in big trouble, you little shit! He's a terrible counselor and so is Lily. They stink while we fish. He fornicates with the campers. He does? And she's so lazy she doesn't do anything but sit around all day. Well, you're just gonna cut my head off like you did my son's. Hey, this is Russ Manzap, the writer of Rush Week, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to The Hysteria Continues, episode 287. And we are taking another trip back to Sleepaway Camp uh, with the second sequel, Sleepaway Camp 3, uh, Teenage Wasteland, isn't it? Which, that name sounds familiar. I don't know why. Um, It's a song by The Who. It is. And also the title of my book. Oh. Or one of them. Yeah, so you got it from this movie, Justin, so I expect you to be nice. Well, uh, at least one good thing had to come out of this movie, I think. Mm. It's fair to say. Well, is that that a cry of anguish? Mm. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to play my cards. I keep my cards close to my chest at the moment anyway. But, um, yes, Nathan. This is a Nathan pick, isn't it? Although, um, to be honest, the next one I'm going to announce at the end of the show could be a Nathan pick, but it's actually my pick. So stick around for that. Um, but anyway, how are we doing? Uh, I know we had a few kind of Skype, um, few technical mishaps before we got everyone on the call. But here we are, um, off to camp shortly, uh, shortly. I'm sure I've asked you this, and you and Joseph, but um, Nathan, did you ever go to camp? I never did. I don't think my parents could afford it. Would you have liked to have done? No, I was way too shy. Uh, being around strangers and all that, I, I don't like. I'm, I'm very introverted. So you would have been a bit like Angela in the first movie? Probably, yeah. Fair enough. But yes, well, we've got you to thank for this uh, this uh, episode. So um, we'll get on to that shortly. But um, Eric, uh, how are you doing? I understand you've got lots of new sound clips for us. I do. Hi, I'm the asshole of the world. That's a clip of Susie. <laughs> Who are you? A whore. And Eric, I mean, Eric is a fine purveyor of uh, of um, sweary nun and uh, 70s exorcist ripoffs. So which one's this one from? You did tell us before we started recording, just in case the listeners are curious. It's one, I've, it's one I've been meaning to get sound clips from for ages. It's Mario Bava's House of Exorcism, which was released in 1975 and is kind of a, a remake, redux of uh, Lisa and the Devil. So it's got these sweary lady inserts put into them and then it flashes back to scenes from how, from Lisa and the Devil. And it makes absolutely no sense at all, but it's got juicy clips like this. Where do you come from? From a cunt, you jerk. Only Satan could make you say that. Well, it is exactly, yes. But did Mario Barber actually direct those inserts? He did, with great, um, we, uh, like, with gritted teeth, because apparently he doesn't like swearing. Well, fair enough. 
So I'm sure there's more to come. But uh, There is more to come, and it t- ties into our feedback, which is why I refreshed some clips onto my um, uh, soundboard. Excellent. And Joseph, uh, are you looking forward to going to camp? And I, we did, I'm sure I remember probably last time we did a sleepaway camp too. I think I asked you about camp. I don't think you went either, did you? I've been to a camp, but I've never participated in camp. So no, I've never been to camp. And Eric's just a tad camp. <gasps> I am not. <laughs> so, um, okay. Well, uh, in time on tra- tradition, before we start, um, let's have a little chat if we've been uh, watching anything recently. So... Eric, uh, anything crossed your crossed your eyelids, eyeballs? I have. I've had a chance to watch a few things. One is, the first one is The Black Demon I watched last night, which you started watching, I think, on the last episode, Justin. So That's I watched, right. I never finished it, actually. Did, did you not? Yeah. Well, no. probably for the best. I thought it was, well, awful is maybe a bit strong, but I did not like it at all. It is a film about a megalodon that has maybe... 45 seconds of shark footage in it and the rest is a family arguing on a rundown oil rig and arguing in a not very interesting way uh the thing that really struck me was how in in terms of it, how it looks it looks okay but it feels really cheap because the acting is really bad the dialogue is really bad and uh, the lead actor josh lucas is atrocious in it i thought uh, and the whole thing just feels really, really flat. If you're going to make a sh- giant shark movie, put the giant shark in there, you know, a bit more than... I mean, there's a scene halfway through where the shark jumps out and eats a boat, and you're thinking, whoa, this is where it's going to get started now, and then it just reverts back to people arguing on an oil rig, and you're like, oh, give me giant shark action, and it doesn't. Uh, so I thought it was boring, and I was surprised at how kind of cheap it felt as well. So that was my assessment. Anyone else seen Black Demon? I didn't finish it. No, I kind of, I, yeah, I forgot to get around to finishing it. But uh, that seems to be the consensus, isn't it? It's strange to make a movie about. I mean, it doesn't have to be all shark action all the time. But if you, the the trailer certainly sold it as this a giant shark movie, didn't it? It did, yeah. So, but it's more about. Um, I mean, it has an eco message in it, which I'm not against. But it seems more concerned with that than it does with the giant shark. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't a fan. It felt very much like a, a sci-fi channel movie, but um, without the sort of ch- uh, cheesiness. Uh, that's how, you know, the, the production values felt that kind of way. Uh, anyway, the other ones I saw, I saw two very similar movies in the last few weeks. One was called Pray for the Devil, which was a cinema release from late last year. And um, it's an exorcism movie. And the other one I saw was uh, quite similar. It was The Pope's Exorcist starring... Russell Crowe. Now, The Pope's Exorcist starring Russell Crowe uh, is not a good movie, but man, Russell Crowe is hot in it with a big daddy beard on him um, and a big belly. Uh, so that uh, kept me buoyant for its 90-minute runtime. Pray for the Devil was very meh. Would you like, what would you like, like him to get the, uh, the devil out of you? Yes, he could exorcise me any day. <laughs> yeah. Um... Pray for the Devil was very mad. It's about a, a nun who is trying to exorcise a, a demons from... She's probably trying to become the first female exorcist, and she's doing it uh, to perform an exorcism on this young child she has encountered. And it's very run-of-the-mill, very bland. The And this is something it has in common with the Pope's exorcist. It doesn't have people writhing around in a bed calling everyone a whore, 
which I think is a prerequisite for a good exorcism movie. Um, instead, it has people saying sort of rather banal things like you're all going to die and, you know, just very sort of PG rated stuff like that, which takes half the fun out of the film. Um the, the Pope's Exorcist is very much along the lines of Exorcist the beginning. It has lots of footage of the possessed person's limbs bending in sort of strange ways, you know, physically impossible ways, and them crawling up the wall like a spider. And it has no subtlety. If you think of the original Exorcist, how it took its time before Reagan goes into full-on um, sweary mode, this one, uh, the, the person's possessed, and suddenly they have these awesome powers, you know, within... 15 seconds like the 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 film the post exorcist within the first 15 minutes the person is throwing people around the room and telling them all they're, go- they're all going to die and stuff and it has nowhere to really go from there apart from providing eye candy for people like me so neither film is brilliant they're both pretty meh but um if you like bears then russell crowe provides some eye candy in the pope's exorcist but no not essential viewing by any stretch of the imagination but it was filmed in Ireland, because if you look at the credits, it's all like Ashley and this and Orla that and Porig and, and everything, which I got a surprise from. So there we go. I haven't, I'm aware of both those movies, but I'm kind of a bit, bit exorcisted out, which doesn't um, bode well for the new trilogy. Well, I just hope that I'm just hope that the script for the new trilogy is littered with whores. Well, do you think it's because that, that was the question actually I was thinking because obviously back when the um, uh, the Exorcist came out and that was kind of truly shocking, wasn't it? I mean, it's still quite a shocking movie even today. You know, with like the, the you know the masturbating, the crucifix, and things like that. It's not something you see every day. Um, well, not usually anyway. But it, so I'm kind of wondering if they're you know well, how they, what they're going to do if they're going to do that kind of sweary thing or they or or not you know because are they gonna, or they could just go completely the other way and just have a really polite demon and. Just or calls people twits or cockwombles or something. <laughs> cockwombles? What the fuck? Cockwomble. Yeah, I'd never hear cockwomble before. Yeah. A knob jockey. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, or just kind of saying, oh, that looks, that dress looks nice on you or something, you know, very polite demon. Yeah. But I'm not sure which way they're going to, I'm, to be honest, I'm not, I can't, I can't work up much enthusiasm, especially after what happened with the Halloween films, but who knows, you know, let's see. But um, so Nathan, have you seen any of those? No, I have not. Mm. So you don't want to take communion um, up here. You want to take it down in, down there in your pussy. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Magdalena style. Are you possessed? Maybe a little bit. So uh, you had a couple of spirits last night, so maybe that's what I'm possessed by. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Joseph, how about you? Are you kind of, uh, do, they, do they kind of float your boat, these kind of exorcism movies? Not really. I kind of, I wouldn't call it an exorcist movie, but I guess uh, the end of days and stigmata when those movies came out, I was kind of into that sort of action movie approach to it. But, um, you know, I'm like Eric, if I'm going to watch these movies, I want, you know, old ladies swearing constantly. And, you know, these newer movies just don't have that. I did did read somewhere, unless I'm making it up, um, that um, or I heard it on another podcast that uh, the exorcisms there's more exorcisms happening now than ever before, and there's loads of people going to exorcism school. Really? <laughs> Is that an accredited school? <laughs> well, I think it's probably sort of you know somewhere yeah. in the Vatican, somewhere isn't, isn't it? So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, strange days. Oh, one thing I forgot to say about the Pope's Exorcist is apparently it's based on a true 
story in inverted commas well certainly the title character is based on a real person and it has he has this weird i don't know i, I presume this is from the real person but russell crowe occasionally, occasionally throughout the film puts his thumb in his nose and wiggles his fingers and goes cuckoo uh, he does that a few times in the film, which I thought was really odd. But I'm guessing it's something that the priest in real life used to do. I don't know. He just, he just says it to passers-by. Cuckoo, cuckoo. That's a, it's a little bit odd, isn't it? Does he, it is. I mean, does he exercise a priest, a uh, pope in it? No, he's assigned by the pope to perform the exorcism. So it might be more fun if the pope was possessed. Yes, and was uh, calling everyone a whore. And went exactly. out to do to do Urbi et Orbi on New Year's Day or something. I just can't. Uh, I just can't get past the title, the Pope's Exorcist. It just makes me want to laugh. It does. Yeah, it doesn't sound very frightening. But I'd, I would love, you know, on the um, on the in the Vatican when he does that big address, the Pope to all the the sort of people, and uh, then he kind of started swearing and maybe popped his butt over and did a plop on them, or sort of did a, did, did a dirty protest in the Pope Mobile. That would, that would be, be awesome. That would be good. So, okay, well, thank you, Eric. And, well, Nathan, have you seen anything you want to tell us about? Uh, yeah, I actually watched a uh, movie from the late 80s that I had never seen before called The Video Dead. Oh, it was so much fun and ridiculous, but... Um, so basically, it's these uh, zombies, and the TV is haunted, and they could come out of the TV and you know kill in the real world um i mean the movie is incredibly stupid but i think it was kind of meant to be i mean it's got like crazy dialogue look there's one scene where the neighbor girl comes over to um their house and she has a dog with her and the dog gets loose and she tells the story about he gets loose and then he chases skunks in the woods and he tries to mate with them and then they spray him so something ridiculous like that i love that um like the characters in this are so like insane, like with their ideas because they find the dog and unfortunately the dog is dead. Um, but you know, she's like, Oh, I don't know what to do. Like, Oh, they're going to get, I'm going to get in so much trouble for this, you know, and she's worried about getting in major trouble. So then the teenage boy decides, uh, the main guy, Jeff, he decides that, Hey, the best thing to do is, Say the dog swallowed a ball. You were walking the dog on a leash and some jerk threw the ball to the dog and he accidentally swallowed it. All we got to do is push the ball down the dog's throat and they'll never know the difference. So I'm like, as soon as I heard that idea, I was like, "Um, that's a interesting uh, idea that you got going there. Yeah. Now I'm remembering why I didn't like this movie, but now I kind of want to watch it again. And they tell them, um, like the good guy that's trying to warn him through the TV about what's about to happen, tells him, like, take the TV, put a mirror up against it. And then, um, you know, basically like, um, you know, just kind of keep it up against there. So he does do that. But then he uses the weakest tape I've ever seen and puts a few strips on each side where I mean, it's so easy just to move it out of the way. But. Um, the reason for the mirror, um, is because the dead can't stand to look at themselves. So when they look at themselves, they get depressed because they look bad. So that was the excuse for how mirrors help. And there's also a great scene later towards the end where one character realizes that all you got to do is just be nice to the zombies and they won't hurt you. So she, you know, invites them in for a, a snack and the zombies, you know, come in and sit around the table. So yeah, it's a very interesting zombie movie. I don't know that I would call it my favorite one. Um, I think that might still be redneck zombies, but what? <laughs> I know. Oh, I can't believe I haven't picked it for Patreon yet. 
Oh, no. I have seen the video dead, but actually not since the 80s. And I remember it being... I don't remember liking it very much because I thought it would be like a George A. Romero type movie or a, a zombie flesh eater or something like that. And it was it it was made on a camcorder in someone's backyard. So I seem to remember it. It probably had all the gore cut out as well. Actually, there's a lot of gore and uh, it's not shot on video. Oh, okay. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I would have, I can imagine why you would, you know, think that because that is my usual cup of tea. But no, actually, it's low budget, but it's definitely shot on film. Well, as it, for me, it would have been, if it was released on video in the late 80s in the UK, then all the gore would have been cut out anyway. So that's what I mean. So that's probably why I didn't enjoy it. Okay, it's, well, we'll have to watch it again, and you can watch it with all the gore this time. Okay, well, it's uh, the, um, the infamously, the Burial Grounds released um, a, a cut on UK video, and it was about 60 minutes or something, or 50 minutes, So because it cut all the gore out. I'm like, dang, what is left in that movie if you cut the gore out? Do they include the uh, making out with his mom scene? I can't remember. I can't that was remember. probably just, gone as well, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I'm sure that was gone, <laughs> yeah. So it's probably just lots of softcore fumbling and people walking around uh, an old uh, villa. So, well, thank you, Nathan. Anything Anything else you've seen? Uh, no, no, that's uh, the only new thing I've seen as of late. Okay, thank you. And Joseph, how about you? I really don't have anything. I don't, I finished the second season of From, um, but I'm not really going to go into that. I just I can't think of anything I've seen movie-wise. I think they've just announced the third season, haven't they? Yeah, they, they renewed it for a third season. I'm kind of glad because um, I like the way the second season ended. It had a really neat twist. Cool. Okay. Um, well, thank you. I've, the only thing, because I've been in the UK for the last couple of weeks, so um, apart from watching Loose Women uh, and Jeremy <laughs> Kyle, not Jeremy Kyle, what's the... the Jeremy Vine. Um, Jeremy is Vine, this? yes, mm. which my mother has on in the mornings. I didn't get to see a great deal. So I did see um, one film I did catch uh, was No One Gets Out Alive on Netflix, um, which uh, is kind of, I didn't know anything about. I thought I'd seen it, but I, I hadn't. I was I stayed with um, some friends and they watched it. Um, and it's kind of a story, well, the, it's about a woman who's, um, uh, I think she comes from Mexico um, or somewhere south of the border into the United States, um, kind of illegal, an illegal immigrant, basically. Um, and uh, she has to sort of obviously try and hide that fact and she gets a job where um, she's trying to get like a like basically a fake card, sort of an immigration card, um, but she doesn't have much money, so she ends up staying at this kind of guest house where only women are allowed to live, and this kind of big gothic kind of mansion, uh, and uh, the women start disappearing kind of one by one, and it's kind of haunted by something which I won't go into, um, but it's pretty good. It's very atmospheric, uh, very well acted. Uh, has anyone seen that? What was it called again? No one gets out alive. Now, is it a slasher? No, supernatural. Okay. Yeah. But it does the whole one by one kind of thing, right? Kind of, uh, kind of. It, um, uh, it's, it's not a massive body count, but um, it's got a very cool kind of monster in it. So, well, that's all I've seen uh, for now. So I kind of guess um, we're going to come straight back to camp with Angela and Nathan, you're going to bring us in after. What have we got? We've got a trailer, TV spot. Uh, we have a trailer for Sleepaway Camp 3. Okay, so Nathan, after this, bring us in. I know that in the next three days, we'll get to know each other much better. When we all get together again, I promise. 
It won't be the same. Angela's back to slash last year's record. Last year's Camp Carnage was so much fun that Angela has decided to return for another season. Whatever happened to Angela Baker? Nobody knows. <laughs> when did you learn to chop wood like that? I've never chopped wood before, but I've chopped other things. Those immoral young campers. <laughs> when will they ever learn? Nobody wants to go to a camp where everyone's been slaughtered. What's your favorite, um, color? Blood red. How many have you killed this time? Lots. Ah! Kill me too? How are you gonna do it? What's it gonna be? A gun. Like every time I go to camp, somebody loses their head. This year, camp's a real killer. Angela is seeing to that. Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Promoted with P.O.P. that includes theatrical-sized posters, Sleepaway Camp 3's video release is also being supported with advertising in major trade and consumer magazines like Video Business, Video Insider, Video Store, and Premiere Magazine. Pamela Springsteen stars, along with Michael J. Pollard and Tracy Griffith, in a film daily variety called Nasty But Fun. Sleepaway Camp 3 Teenage Wasteland. Rated R. Order cutoff date October 31st. Street date, November 16th. Pamela Springsteen gives a slashing performance as Angela, a murderous camper who returns to Camp Happy Woods, where she previously had killed most of the campers. The camp reopens under an inept new management team played by Michael J. Pollard and Sandra Dorsey. This is the ideal setting for Angela, who is dedicated to doing her job of eliminating immoral teenagers. Armed with an arsenal of knives, guns, ropes, axes, and even a lawnmower, Angela puts away everybody, spoiler alert, except for Marsha and her boyfriend. In a no-holds-barred catfight, Marsha repeatedly stabs Angela and sends her off in an ambulance, thinking she'll never have to see her again, or will she? All right, first of all, let me say, this is the back of the VHS box description. So imagine my disappointment when, you know, I, this first came out and I was super excited to see it. And I read the back of the box and basically it tells you who lives and what happens at the very end. I think they're trying to keep you away from the movie, actually. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is a film that hinges on its plot and surprises. Well, I mean, you, y'all, you guys might not have known who was going to survive the movie. Probably was a shocker. Maybe. I don't I don't know. Um, so Sleepaway Camp 3 is my favorite out of the entire Sleepaway Camp series. I think it is a lot of fun. I love Pamela Springsteen as Angela. Um, I love the camp setting. And I just I love all the characters like they're they're just over the top, ridiculous, like bad people. Like they're mean for no reason. And, you know, they do like all kinds of crazy stuff. And I mean, some of them, I can kind of see why Angela decides to 
you know, kill them because, you know, they're very annoying. So, you know, I mean, that can kind of happen. Um, I loved the character of Lily, who um, is incredibly lazy. One of my favorite scenes um, is when she's getting murdered and she's begging Angela to let her go. And she goes, no, about the trip we're taking, you can come with us. And I was like, it's an interesting you know, way to kind of plead for your life there. I loved uh, that they had um, like a lot of these characters killing with uh, or her killing a lot of these people with a stick. I mean, there's a lot of there's several people that die just by getting hit with a stick. And I think that's hilarious because the stick sounds like it's about to break every time she uses it. Um, Oh, I also love when um, Lily is cooking that steak for herself and makes them go fishing. Um, You know, I know that, you know, that's uh, not vegan friendly whatsoever, but it was one of those situations where it's like, okay, you can go fish for your food. And then she get, get, makes this ridiculous line of, oh, I'm allergic to fish. So never mind. Um, I liked the uh, scene with Cindy, the, you know, the girl who is nice, but like not really. She's kind of like racist and, um, and you know, and, and just very like uppity, snobby. And um, there's a good scene uh, where she gets her comeuppance and Angela like raises her up this flagpole and drops her on her head, which I thought was also a lot of fun. Um, I found it interesting that the character of Marsha is kind of played up, you know, to kind of be the good girl of the movie. But I thought it was kind of funny at the end when we find out that she's this whole time been cheating on her boyfriend back home. Um, it was like, oh, that's kind of a twist. So, yeah, I'm a, a humongous fan of this movie. It's got a big body count. Um, that is always a huge plus for me. I love, uh, movies that just have a lot of deaths in it, even though these people do have families. I'm sorry about that. But overall, I think it is a huge fun time at camp. Um, and so, um, I know all you guys are just going to be singing its praises. So, uh, I can't wait to hear. So let's start with you, Justin. Well, I didn't. I don't mind the Sleepaway Camp sequels. I, the first film is definitely my favourite because um, I think it does that, that that kind of comedy thing well. But it has that kind of what missing in the sequels is that, that there's a sense of I don't know like perversity. I kind of guess in the the first one um, where you've still got the humour, but you've got it's all not believable. Like I'm trying to. It's quite difficult to put a finger on it really. Um, why the first one works so well. Um, whereas the sequels are played much more for comedy, uh, and especially this one, for me, for me to be honest, it feels very much like it was a kind of um, oh they've given us funding for a, a third one. Let's write, let's quickly write, do something very quickly. Um, it's it's got its moments. Don't get me wrong. There's bits of it I quite enjoyed, but it's quite slipshod. I mean, for instance, like you, you mentioned about people getting hit on the head with sticks. Um, I mean, sometime. I mean, it probably has is one. It's probably got the most unspecial effects of any slasher movie that I can think of. It, it kind of makes um, the Last Slumber Party look like a Lucio Fulci movie. You know, it's got you know people get bang hit on the top of the head, and there's a teacup of blood on. So it's very kind of slipshod in that kind of way. I mean, Pamela Springsteen as Angela is is fun. You know, don't get me wrong, but. By the end of this mo- this movie, the the joke really has kind of worn pretty thin for me. That Angela's killing bad teenagers. It's kind of it's kind of run out of steam. Um, so 
I, so I can't exactly sing its praises, Nathan. Um, but bits of it I enjoyed. I mean, it's kind of it's it's kind of a fluff piece. It's fun while it's on, um, and I do I did like you know some of the characters in it. I liked um, the uh, the, t- the two people running the camp. Um, you know, especially the beginning bit when you've, you know, she's, it kind of comes across like John Waters, the type movie, but that kind of fun and verve, it kind of, kind of, it kind of just ran out of steam a little bit for me towards the end. So, um, it's not the, it's not the worst movie, Nathan, by any stretch, but I can't summon up a massive amount of enthusiasm, I'm afraid. So I can't really sing a Kumbaya for it, I'm afraid. Well, it's not exactly the scathing review I was expecting, so I'll take it. Uh, Joseph. Yeah. Um, Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. It's no secret that I'm not a fan of the Sleepaway Camp sequels. I think the first film was far funnier accidentally than either of the sequels were on purpose. Um, and that's my main problem with Sleepaway Camp 2 and especially Sleepaway Camp 3 I just don't find it funny. I mean, the mixing of horror and comedy, it's a very delicate balancing act. And, you know, since humor is highly subjective, you know, what one, what has one person laughing won't necessarily do that for the other. Um, and I, I didn't like this approach in a, in a, I didn't like this approach in Sleepaway Camp 2, but um, I'll give that film a little credit for at least trying to stand apart from the um, original Sleepaway Camp. But uh, Teenage Wasteland does no such thing to uh, differentiate itself from its predecessor. You know, it may have earned a chuckle or two in the in uh, Sleepaway Camp 2. Um, but I don't know, watching Sleepaway Camp 3, all the jokes feel like that drunk uncle telling the same old usual Thanksgiving story. Only you realize, you know, it, it gets less and less funny each time you hear it. And I just, I, you know, I just didn't care. I... I mean, the movie leans on humor more than it does horror. And, you know, that's no big secret. But for me personally, I find the humor works better if it's derived from horror. And there's no horror in this film. There's like absolutely no stakes whatsoever. I mean, it's kind of aping that Freddy Krueger as uh, murderous Rodney Dangerfield shtick, you know, except it doesn't have that film's edge nor its budget. And, you know, Pamela Springsteen, you know, bless her, she tries, but she's no Robert England. Um, you know, to be fair, a couple of the death scenes made me laugh a little. I love the female camp counselor being buried alive with the trash. And she's sort of uh, trapped like Ted Danson in Creepshow. Only she doesn't have the uh, the rising ties to contend with, but this lawnmower. I like that death scene. Um, additionally, I like the idea that Angela has all this time to dart back and forth between three groups of people and set all these elaborate death scenarios in motion. And, uh, that really comes into play with this, ad- this admittedly hilarious, uh, scene where she, uh, where she gives the character of Cliff this cassette tape with her rapping how she's going to kill him because she's tired of him listening to his rap music too loud. Um, you know, I just, I kind of wonder how she had the time to come up with the lyrics between each kill. Um, but you know, I think that's about all the laughs I got from this. I'm afraid I just find it lacking in stakes. Like I said, it's just flat and the, the forced humor in the forefront is just kind of a death knell for me personally, when it comes to slasher films, though, I will end this review on a positive, at least it's not return to sleepaway camp. I'm curious, Nathan. Do you uh, is uh, are you a fan of Return to Sleepaway Camp? 
Um, well, I thought that maybe I should withhold my thoughts on it until we cover it. Oh, Christ. Okay. <laughs> um, Eric. Well, my favorite part was where someone gets hit with a stick. I like that scene. Um, Which one? Which one? Well, this, this is the joke, is that everyone seems to get hit with a stick. And so I was like, oh my God, she's hitting somebody with a stick again. Um, my sentiments for Sleepaway Camp 3 are almost exactly that of Joseph's, um, you know, almost word for word. Uh, for comedy, I just didn't find it funny at all. And as a horror, it's not very horrific in any way, apart from Angela's hair slash wig that she has to wear. You know, that big 80s hair that that's grey which is weird. I know she's disguised herself to look like that first victim, but it's just the weirdest hairstyle I think I've ever seen in an 80s movie. Um, I would say overall, though, I enjoyed this slightly more than part two, um, as as there's a few moments that I thought were quite effective, and I emphasize the word few there. Um, One of the big problems for me with the film is there's just too many characters for a 79-minute movie. Um, so people are just introduced and killed off, introduced, killed off. Um, and there's some inventiveness to the killings, but we, but you know, I suppose for censorship reasons, things have been cut, so we don't get to see the outcome. Um, uh, but on the flip side of that, as I said, there's just lots of people being hit with a stick, which is the least interesting murder method I think I've ever seen in a slasher movie. Uh, and she does that to, I think, three or four people. Um, and it's a shame the gore has been truncated because, you know, the firecracker up the nose could have had a, a good sort of um, gory aftermath shot. Uh, certainly there's, there's pictures in Fangoria. I think it's issue 73 where they cover this and it shows you um, some good decent-ish looking sort of gore effects that didn't make it into the film. Um, and unlike Friday the 13th Part 2, which can live without the gory effects and still be a good movie, this one can't, I'm afraid. Um <laughs> And the problem for me, uh, as Joseph said, the biggest problem for me with parts two and three of Sleepaway Camp is there's absolutely no sense of danger or threat in them at all. If you take Jason Lives as a slasher example of how to balance comedy and horror, um, it does, you know, it has some laughs, but it never makes Jason feel like a pantomime villain. He always feels ominous and uh, threatening, Um, but Angela doesn't in this, and people don't react in the way that they would in real life if they were being threatened by a killer, which, um, you know, Joseph said that humour is best when it's derived from the horror. Uh, and it is, you know, there's no horror in, in this to derive it from. Um, Pamela Springsteen is fine as Angela. Uh, the cast are all fine, but just the characters are just uninteresting to me. And there's a brief moment where Angela's driving a Jeep and she's chasing, I think it's Marsha, through the woods. And it's quite well put together, but it's a really brief scene. Uh, And I did like the trap that Angela sets in the cabin with those two axes. I thought that was quite nifty. But uh, these are small moments in in a sort of 80-minute movie. Um, So it's not something I have a huge fondness for. I mean, I, I think... Joseph was who said it was uh, the film just felt flat and that's what it feels to me. It feels flat. Um, it, these are two films, parts two and three, that I really want to like, but unfortunately, I just can't buy into the humor, so they just don't um, land with me at all. I am a big fan of the first film, though, but uh, two and three, no, not for me. I'm afraid. Sorry, Nathan. I mean, I think I love it enough for all of us uh, because I would put it in my top 10 like without a doubt like if I did a top 10 horror movies this would be in there 
um, just because I find it like immensely entertaining. Like I'm never bored when I watch it. Oh, I'm always bored when I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah, so like we're very opposite there. Um, but um, I did love the scene where Angela kind of has that kind of sentimental flashback to part two where she was singing because, you know, she really wanted to be a counselor. And this one, she had to come back as a camper. And I think she missed her counselor days. Well, she shouldn't have killed people then. Well, they, they hey, she wouldn't have had to if they hadn't have been crazy and mean. But um, one thing that I did like is that they um, showed her flashbacks. And it's not from part two at all. Like, she's actually imagining everybody was just applauding for her and so happy for her. And I'm like, that was not the way it was in part two. I thought that was a very artistic touch, if you will. That's what Susie imagines the audience reaction like at her concert. <laughs> well, I, I, you've probably seen she played in front of 40,000 people in Greece the other day. So they, were, I, yeah, they had quite a lot clapping. I'm not sure They're what... They were bored, uh, were they? Yeah. No. I'm not, what's, what's Toya up to at the moment? She was at Glastonbury last weekend. Was she? What? Um, yeah, with, with Roberts. Uh, what in the uh, port uh, cleaning the portaloos? No, she wasn't cleaning the portaloos. She was on the stage singing songs. <laughs> she wasn't always, was she? Yes, portaloos. Was she really? <laughs> yes. Uh. Mm. Well, I must admit, I blinked to miss that one. Yeah, well, you must have. Yes. So, one of you mentioned it, um, but I did like uh, the um, the outcome with the virginal final girl and the the mopey Latin youth. From Los Angeles, I love the outcome of that, where she's like, oh, well, I kind of have a boyfriend already. I mean, that was kind of a twist, um, because the whole thing with Angela is that she wanted to spare who she thought were the good kids. But Marsha actually wasn't a good kid under Angela's line of thinking. I liked Marsha, though. I was fine that she lived. I did like the um, the the bit at the beginning with the, uh, the the girl who was rude to her mother, who had like um, what she have tattooed under her breast. Was it like milk bottle or something? Milkshake. Milkshake. That was it. Um, and then, but when she's running away from Angela in a truck, there's all these people standing on the street watching. Yeah, but Justin, it's New York. People get chased by garbage trucks like <laughs> all the time there. Yeah. yeah. And I did like the fact the very special effect of her when she was lying in the garbage, and she had that tomato ketchup on her face. I, I, ha- I have to remember the girl who gets um, hoisted up the flagpole when she falls. It is a mannequin. So there's a good mannequin falling scene in this film, at least. I know we're covering, just, uh, just as an aside, we're covering Race with the Devil, the 1975 movie on Patreon soon. Um, I don't know if you guys, I watched it this morning again. I've seen it many times, but there's a great mannequin moment in that when someone <laughs> gets... Um, did you see it? No, I haven't watched it yet. Um, I've seen the movie before, but I don't remember mm. the mannequin, so I'm going to be on the lookout for it. It's when I think it's uh, it's when somebody gets pushed off the top of the tr- um, of the mobile home when it's uh, rolling, and the, the mannequin lands on the floor. Okay, and it it looks it looks very like a mannequin. Oh, so I can't see if wait! You can spot that. I can't wait. Are you guys not opposed to mannequin abuse in horror movies? <laughs> no mannequins were harmed. Yeah, it's not on top of my list of um, social justice. Yeah, kind of, uh, don't concerns. be a dummy, Nathan. <laughs> oh, that your joke of the week? Yeah, that's my joke of the week. 
I like when Angela tells the one character that it's a good thing she's dead, because if she wasn't, in a couple of years, her breasts would have been sagging something terrible. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And I like when they see what, because all the girls are taking or changing in the cabin in, early on in the movie, and um, like they all take their shirts off, and they're either wearing like a skimpy bra or nothing at all. They're just topless. Then it cuts to Angela, and she's got this giant like bra thing on. It's It's... I don't know what it is, honestly, but when one of the characters looks at it and is like, how do you get that thing off with a can opener? I didn't. Um, why was uh, Michael J. Pollard's character so irresistible to that teenage girl? Yeah. <laughs> I just assumed she might have grandfather issues. Uh. <laughs> because, I, yeah, I don't know uh, unless it's a money thing. I mean, because I mean, I imagine him and Lily's got some money. They were taking a, a cruise to Europe. Uh, of course, they were also burying trash and, you know, doing all these things that were cutting corners for uh, this camp. Uh, but, you know, Lily uh, says, you know, that um, they're worth it. They're worth finer things. Till she gets ran over with a lawnmower. Then she don't say much. She doesn't say much. No. I love when um, she uh, Angela sends Marsha outside knowing, you know, of course, Lily's decapitated head is back there and she's just like, hey, go on. Uh, she's out back right now. It's not a pretty sight. There you go. There you go. Indeed. So Pamela Springsteen, did she ever has she ever publicly commented on these movies? I have no idea. I, I mean, um, last I heard, she hasn't. Hmm. Which is a shame because I'm like, she would be such a hit at like conventions and stuff, I think. Mm. Just because, I mean, a lot of people know about these sequels. Yeah, my understanding is that she really doesn't like to trade on her last name at all. Um, she tries to avoid talking about her last name or her who her brother is. And I, I imagine it kind of carries over into her movie stuff because um, after Sleepaway Camp 3, she only did one thing and then she kind of vanished. Now she's a photographer. Okay, but then it's strange if that. I mean, not you know, criticizing her choices, but she kind of, you know, she advertised herself as Angela um, as Pamela Springsteen when she was an actress. So it just seems I don't, you know, I, I, it seems like she's very invested in the role, like she's having fun with it. Um, but um, I mean, how old is this movie now? What sort of twenty, twenty five years? Thirty nine years? No, thirty thirty four years. Thirty four years old. So, I mean, she must be in her, what, sort of, I don't know, sort of late 50s, early 60s now. Mm. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I know there's obviously been deluxe special editions of all the movies and thing, things like that. So, but, uh, yeah, I've just never seen her interviewed or actually she seems to be a very private person because I never see, I, I did look around for more info on her, but there didn't seem to be very much at all. So any other, well, backgrounds, I can guess. Uh, Nathan, what do you have for us? Um, it was shot back to back with um, the Sleepaway Camp 2. Um, actually, uh, the actors that played Allie on Sleepaway Camp 2 uh, worked behind the scenes on Sleepaway Camp 3. I think it'd been funny if they give her some kind of cameo. I mean, she don't have to play Allie. She could have been, you know, some, a different character or something. Was but I think Allie that been the, fun. Uh, the bitchy blonde girl on part two? Uh, yeah, the one that got drowned in the toilet. Yeah, see, now that's what that kind of character was missing from part three, I believe. Uh, she had an edge to her, I think. Yeah, they could have done with a, a Judy character as well, couldn't they? Mm. Yeah, because Allie was kind of like a Judy character. But yeah, I don't remember. I mean, well, honestly, I feel like 
most of the characters in three are bad. So, or like bad as in, you know, there wasn't many nice ones to choose from. Um, it was filmed uh, at a YMCA youth camp in Georgia. Uh, most of the characters in the film are named after characters from West Side Story, the Brady Bunch and the Munsters, uh, which I thought was a lot of fun because, you know, I'm a big fan of that. Now, um, one thing that I read on IMDb, Justin, um, is that um, the script actually did call for more elaborate deaths, but they had to change it for budget reasons like Herman. I mean, he ends he is one of the ones that gets hit with a stick, but his original death was to have a flaming poker shoved into his crotch while Wayne, while Angela proclaiming it a weenie roast. Oh, and I think that would have been a memorable death. How much does a flaming poker cost? Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not industrial light and magic, is it? You could, you don't have to like get too crazy with it. You could just show it headed towards his crotch and then do like a, a cutaway or something and just have him scream and spit up blood or something. I mean, I, I think it could have been done. You know, you didn't have to get too elaborate with it if the budget can't do it. Um, he also, the, um, the director gave a statement about the MPAA because, you know, they had a lot of issues with the film. Um, he called them the moral police, American ass wops. Um, so I, I guess he wasn't a huge fan of them because one of the an MPAA representative called him to tell him that the woman who screened the film became physically ill after watching the lawnmower death. And I'm like, it wasn't even that gory. But yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of background. Um, I'll also say there's a book written that uses Teenage Wasteland in the title. Oh, what thief. I hear it's a very good read. I've heard so. Yes, I've absolutely heard that. I've got a copy in my bathroom. <laughs> so it's for for when uh, inspire Harold's plops. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So well, thank you, Nathan. Um, Joseph, do you have anything? Uh, no, I don't have anything. Okay, and Eric. Yes, what do I have in addition to that? Um, so it was filmed in October of 1987, uh, and the last day of production was actually Halloween 1987. Ooh, spooky. Um, um, director Michael Simpson says he prefers the part two as well, Nathan, uh, as he, well, no, it was Joseph who said he preferred part two. Uh, it wasn't as rushed. He said they, they essentially had one weekend to prep Sleepaway Camp 3. Uh, and the script wasn't as polished as that of part two. So there we go. Um, Kim Wall, who plays Cindy, auditioned at the same time as her boyfriend, Tony Higgins. So he got the role of Sean in part two. No idea who he was. Uh, and he was Kim the got- main girl's boyfriend. Okay. And Kim got the role of Cindy in part three. Um, in the UK, uh, Sleepaway Camp 2 was really, well, it was released under the title Nightmare Vacation 2, and it got two minutes and 16 seconds of cuts to it. But by the time Sleepaway Camp 3 came out as Nightmare Vacation 3, it went through uncut in 1990 with an 18s rating, which just shows you how uh, paltry the gore was in part three. That I was going to say, e- even with those vicious uh, twig attacks. Those vicious twig attacks, yeah. Um... Yeah, so there's lots of um, cuts to the film. If you have the the any of the Blu-ray releases, I think it shows you in the deleted scenes. You can see the arms being ripped off, and there's a bit of blood in the in the lawnmower scene. There's not a huge amount uh, missing, and uh, there's not enough to uh, salvage the film, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, that's all all I have. Justin, do you have any? 
Um, I just a couple of things. It's just um, the uh, that there was a report in the Atlanta Constitution newspaper from October 1987, um, which uh, was talking about the sequel. It said that um, it's it basically says that the, the the part three was greenlit as they were wrapping part two. So whether or not there was an idea that they might make a third one if the, if they were happy with the results of the second one, I'm not sure. But basically, it wasn't certainty until they uh, they wrapped. Um, uh, he said that um, uh, Director Simpson said the production company, which was Double Helix, uh, were so happy with the dailies from part two that they ordered the sequel. Um, it also mentions that Tracy Griffith, who plays Marsha, is actually Melanie Griffith's half-sister. Um, and uh, Which ties so, in with the uh, Pamela Springsteen and Renee Estevez connections as well. Yes, I don't know if that was on on purpose, but now I was looking at, looking her up, and apparently uh, she's the first female graduate of the California Sushi Academy. <laughs> so there you go, yeah. and uh, one of the first uh, world's first certified female sushi chefs. That's a tongue twister. So um, uh, Pamela Springsteen was what do you uh, call ooh. a raw Fish goth band, sushi and the band's she's. Oh. Yeah. That was uh, that joke's been used in something, isn't it? Oh. I'm sure, it was. It was in. Is it Bob's Burgers or something? Oh, I don't know. I don't watch Bob's Burgers. No, I, I thought I made that myself. Mm, no, there's nothing new, Eric. Certainly not when it comes to your. Oh, jokes. there is. When you hear my joke of the week, you'll know it's new. Okay, well, we're, we're sure. Wait, uh, wait on tenterhooks for that. Um, I've nearly finished with this anyway, but. Uh, uh, yeah, so Pamela Springsteen was 25 when she made these two uh, two films. Um, she was uh, she kind of got a break because she was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High in 1982 um, when she was going out with Sean Penn uh, back then. Um, and the last thing was that the the rest of the cast was mostly made up of local actors from Atlanta. So uh, so that's all I have really. So uh, Sleepaway Camp Three. They filmed this so close to where I lived, and I didn't get to be in it. You were seven at the time. Well, Nathan. they could have had a kid on. Angela could have killed me for some reason. What would your naughty thing be? Would it be um, the devil's cabbage? No, because I wouldn't have smoked it back then. It would be watching bloody movies, I'd say. She's like, oh, this guy's going to grow up to be warped. I'm just going to have to cut his head off. Oh, I missed opportunity. I know. So. <laughs> So, uh, Joseph, what was the consensus on the group on this movie? Well, an impressive 47 comments for Sleepaway Camp 3. Uh, Martin Rogers from YouTube writes, I just love the scene where Angela throws a cassette into that dude's tent, which contains a recording of her rapping about how she's going to kill that guy. Chef's kiss. Yeah, I like that scene as well. And Chris Stanton from Facebook writes, what still felt fresh in part two feels tedious here, with nearly all the humor falling flat and some disgusting racial and homophobic slurs finding their way into the dialogue. A couple of highlights, a memorable death from high on a flagpole, and a fun performance by Dorsey as a lazy counselor. So, nothing really awful to say about Sleepaway Camp 3 from our followers, at least... Well, um, in, in Sleepaway Camp 3's defense, the people making the homophobic and racist comments are bad people. Like, like they're not... Um, and they get what they deserved. Yeah. It's not like in The Last Slumber Party where the characters making the homophobic comments are actually the good guys. 
Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on everything we're doing. Listen on Apple, YouTube, and Spotify. Well, uh, Spotify, uh, just as a heads up, is going to get sketchy as I've been getting a few copyright warnings. And they've already removed our episode for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 over a copyright violation. Um, I haven't I haven't had the time to retroactively edit those episodes, nor, nor do I want to. Beyond what I'm already the music at the end. Yeah, beyond what I'm already doing for YouTube, um, especially since we're not earning anything from Spotify. But uh, so if we disappear on Spotify, we're also on about a billion other podcatchers, both good and terrible. Check us out on Patreon.com forward slash the hysteria continues, all one word, and select a reward tier to fit your budget. If you so shall please, um, we love our patrons long time. You can send feedback to the hysteria continues at gmail.com. Excellent. One one last little bit of uh, information I forgot to add was that um, uh, about half the cast were also um, went over to Italy and were in eleven days, eleven nights. Oh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh man! Then I gotta watch it. Oh mm. yes, that joke. No, so that's that's an in joke from our commentary for Stage Fright. I think so. that's a mistake on IMDb because I looked on it afterwards and all the people have the same um, cast. They all have the same character names, as in stage fright oh maybe i don't know uh mark is a different character name his name in this one is mort oh well there's a guy the the guy called danny is called danny apparently in 11 days 11 nights i'll have to watch it again yeah well maybe they did it because if they were making it uh at the same time that uh, sort of then it was easier to remember to confuse the actors yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're that stupid well i'm not saying anything but uh talking stupid <gasps> it's my joke of the week and so so fantastic why was Lily in Sleepaway Camp 3 so fulfilled because the experience delivered more than she could ever have wanted <laughs> <laughs> I like that one you only get uh, one note because that was one of your better ones Eric I think it was the movie Eric it inspired me, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I need to revisit it. Yeah, okay, yes. well, then I'll pick it no. for a commentary soon. <laughs> well, we'll wait for the Criterion uh, Special Edition to come out first. Yeah. So, um, we have some feedback, don't we, I think? We do, yes. I have a piece of feedback here to read out. Uh, and I need to get my soundboard ready for this as well. Be prepared, everyone. Uh, I, uh, this is from... Our good friend Ara Alishan, and he says, Greeting gents, I trust all is well. I was listening to your House by the Cemetery episode and felt compelled to write in after Joseph mentioned no more, no one emails anymore. While I really enjoyed your chat with Leo, I was a bit disappointed by the lack of Bob-related sound drops from Eric. For shame. Uh, I guess she had something to do. And mommy says you're not dead. There we go. There's some Bob-related sound clips for you. That's the other Bob. I mean, there is a, another Bob I like that I would put sound clips on, but you wouldn't let me, Justin. Um, Ara goes on to say, I must admit it's been ages since I watched the movie myself, but what I do remember is the terrible dubbing and great score. This may be sacrilege, but I personally prefer The Psychic over the Beyond City of the Living Dead and House by the Cemetery. Hell, I even prefer Murder Rock, but I should probably stop there before you send me away to have my head examined. Oh, the Beyond is still my favourite of that batch. Mm. I do love the psychic as well, though. Um, I wanted to mention that I recently watched a movie Joseph recommended, 
back in January of 2013, which is ten and a half years ago now. Uh, yes, I'm back to commuting about an hour to work each way, so I started re-listening to the podcast from the beginning. And in episode 51, Joseph recommended a monster movie with Kevin Costner called The New Daughter. It sounded interesting enough, so I checked it out on Tubi and thought it was surprisingly good. I doubt you rem- remember, Joseph, but thanks for the recommendation. I don't Do you remember, remember that? whatsoever. <laughs> I have no memory of a Kevin Costner monster movie, so... Yeah, and a monster movie called The New Daughter. It doesn't sound like a monster movie. Title, yeah. Uh, I also wanted to take a moment to send my sincere condolences to Nathan on the passing of his legendary grandmother, Hazel. In many ways, she was the matriarch of the podcast. While she will be missed, it is comforting knowing she will live on in your home movies. So sending lots of love from the City of Angels, Ara Alashan. P.S. Susie versus Toya forever. But of course, thank you, Ara. Thank, yeah, thank you, Ara. So, uh, yes, and please do write in uh, if you do get a chance, because we do love to hear from you, and we do read pretty much everything out, unless we get uh, anything too strange, which we haven't really had any. We never really get strange feedback, do we? We don't really get any feedback normally, but um, we have had a few oddballs in the past, but most of our listeners are lovely, including the ones listening to us now. Hey, remember that one guy used to send in voicemails about him going to the gym all the time? Whatever happened to that guy? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, okay, well, um, I think it's going to be a short show, but uh, I think we packed a lot in. So um, I guess it's uh, discuss what we're watching next time, and it's my pick. And as I mentioned at the head of the show, um, I might be outdoing Nathan. So we're going to be covering uh, Dark Sanity, aka Straight Jackets from 1982 although I, it's 1982 is a bit of a loose uh date because i don't think it was filmed in 1982 i'm off to wash my hair yes so we're going to wash our hair in the bird bath and if you it is a it's um it's an acquired taste uh if i remember correctly but it does have some funny moments in it i think we're gonna have fun talking about it and if you do want to watch it and you can't get hold of a copy there is a copy on youtube so if you want to watch it ahead of the show then uh you know do that and join us in our pain so uh yeah we'll be back next time with some dark sanity um nathan what are we playing out with we are playing out with girls just want to have fun by cindy lopper oh very apt excellent okay right well thank you for listening uh and uh catch us next time we'll catch you next time on hysteria continues so uh say goodbye to the good people there's your fucking daily bread Eat it like you did those horse cunts before you became a priest. <gasps> Eric. <laughs> that's the one I like. Uh, I meant to say goodbye. Sorry, that's what I meant. Oh, okay. And goodbye. So long. Bye. <laughs>